Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Televoid. I'm one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. For over a century, I've lived in secret. Until now. I know the risk, but I have to know her. <laughs> and yes, I am aware I've used that quote before, but I'm still using it again. Hey, LaToya, and we are joined by a special guest, Rowan Kaiser. What's up, Rowan? Hello, LaToya's already working on the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for those of you that didn't know, that was a Vampire Diaries quote, but today's episode of The Televoid is Season 5, Episode 6 of Angel, The Cautionary Tale of Numero Cinco, uh, Number 5, which, if you haven't seen Season 5, it's the dude with the mail cart. So, <laughs> it's La Lucha! That's kind of the entire gist of the whole episode, and, uh, I mean, there's other episodes of Angel we probably could discuss, but I think this is kind of a heated one, because some people love this season, some people hate this season... Some people love Do some Malucha? people love this episode? <laughs> I would have guessed there's probably people out there, There are right? people who are out there. I've, I've seen them in comments. Who were really? Like, this is one of the best episodes of the, the entire show. And yeah, I don't know. Because even as someone who enjoys season five, I wouldn't really throw this up there as the best of that at all. I, know. No. I, I love season five, and I think this episode is a pretty big disappointment. Yes, for almost start to finish. But it, so we can honestly, it seems like an episode that I would love because it's Angel and it's wrestling. Yeah, it's like Lelucha. my two great loves. Mm-hmm. And no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's like oil and, and oil and water. But um, so we can kind of get into it. We 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 can go through like scene by scene. There's a, a ton of stuff that does happen, but once the main plot gets done, it's a little bit more about like you know wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, um, I didn't so... even take as many notes as I assumed I would, honestly. Yeah, because there's really only one major through thread through the entire like episode. It's just sort of about the the, the uh, five brothers. I think is what what's called or the, the number the brothers. Numeros. <laughs> God, the, I don't speak Spanish, so I had a hard time with a lot of that stuff. But it was it was a lot of just like you know ominous Spanish words, and I feel bad for the the guy who played. Do we know who played number five? Is it anybody noble? Uh, yes, and why did I close the thing? Uh, <laughs> Danny Mora played number five, and he was on uh, slightly recently, or there's something we just recently watched, I'm trying to think. He was uh, in Happy Endings as the Brazilian, uh, basically when, you know, Max is dating the son of, like, the other, the rival food truck guy, basically the Romeo and Juliet thing. Oh, he's the dad. Yeah. I get who you're saying. Yeah. yeah I think I... I've, I've definitely recognized his voice, but like they, re- I kind of felt bad for him because the entire episode he's in a mask. <laughs> I felt bad for so, him because like the last act of the episode, he like like puts on a very very stereotypical Hispanic accent. Like it gets like so thick and like Speedy Gonzalez is what it becomes by the end of the episode. Yeah, it's weird. I don't. Mm. But so, well, the episode starts out just introducing. The vil- well, the villain of the episode, which becomes like the, the end fight, you know, villain. It is the uh, I can't think of it again. This is not even. I guess it's Spanish, but it's like it's Azteca. Te- teca- yeah, it's like okay. It's, uh, it's like Kotal. Te- yeah, the T Kotal Z situation. Like Rowan, can you help us out? <laughs> it's the demon. Yeah, it's the text. <laughs> the Aztec demon. Tex- I didn't, I didn't We're not take all- any notes oh. on the the, the name. Yeah, we're going to call him Alexis Denisov. Are we going to call Big T? Big T. Alexis Denisov, of course, can pronounce everything beautifully. He, it's Tezka Kotal, but we'll call him Big T from now on. But, uh, or TZ, I guess. But, like, he is... <laughs> he is, um, I, a cloven... Right, cloven? Or at least, like... He's like know, a got, giant chicken thing demon, right? 
Something like that. But it's like a little reptilian, too, or mm-hmm. something. It's strange. But he's just slicing out hearts. But, well, we gotta mislead at first, because a security guard... It's a classic angel mislead, where a security guard's looking down the... Stupid uh, Henderson. Yeah, he thinks that there's some some guy, like, creeping around inside a... Uh, like, I guess it's, like, an abandoned area at night, and it turns out, no, nope, just a plumber, just but then Carlos they both get the killed. the plumber, because, of course, already we have a Carlos. <sighs> and they both get killed instantly um, by this... No teasy big T situation, and already uh, I'm just like, because like it reminded me of an opening for Bones. That's like yeah, the level it was at. It was it's, it's it, it was definitely an X Files wannabe without mm-hmm. really. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just two dudes who died. Like, there's no. Obviously, this is Angel. There's something mm-hmm. supernatural going on. There's no like clue to the supernaturalness. Mm-hmm. It's just a shadow with a knife. Like, it's, uh, yeah. It's, you yeah. see the, the terrible like like chicken shadow, and you see like his body getting thrown mm-hmm. in the air with the, the knife going first. It was it was okay. a very. I mean, I okay, know. it's a strong dude with a knife. Oh no, this is a shock <laughs> on Angel. Oh yeah. no, someone something was murdered in a fun. dark like alley. They're like walking in a dark alley to start. Of course, someone's dying. It's like the credits. The entire credits is people in dark alleys. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't expect this is, then immediately uh, they cut to the next one, which is uh, Numero Cinco pushing the cart. But they're playing that Angel score, which is like, oh, this is a funny episode. Which mm. <laughs> sure, <laughs> nothing says funny like starting out with two guys getting their throat slit. But <laughs> classic Angel. I mean, Smile <laughs> Time is like one of the most disturbing episodes ever, but it's also and, amazing. And it's got like kids music pumping. Yeah, the whole episode, poor children. Yeah. Oh god. But yeah, so uh this I mean season 5 had some like regulars at Wolfram and Hart. So one of them is obviously uh La Lucha guy, which no one really knew anything about him. Right, he's been there the whole time. Yeah, cuz they would show him in like other episodes before that's just pushing the cart. Yeah, in the in the episode yeah. before this, the the life of the party, they start like talking about who is that guy? Why is he here? How long has he been here? So mm-hmm. and sort he of... is a mysterious. He's a guy in a mask, so yeah. it's a little mysterious. And he's been there for a long time, as we learn in the episode. Um, and he is just like a random. I mean, it's not. It's it's Wolfram and Hart, so there's obviously some weird stuff going on there because like everybody there is either a demon or evil. Well, for the most part, and then there's some people who do look a little odd, but like something is still really odd about this abnormal looking dude wearing a La Lucha mask, pushing a mail mail cart in the middle of the day. Like it doesn't really fit in with the, even the corporate attitude there. Even the demons are usually wearing suits, so it's a little strange for someone to have a mask on. But so now this is kind of like his push in, like it's like learning about the the uh, interns on Bones or something. Like it's it's very much just like let's like dive into the life of one of those background characters because doesn't everybody want to know all about the guy? This- This feels like it's one of those things that, like, shows in their last or late seasons like to do, Mm -hmm. where they have episodes that kind of focus on the the side characters, and this sort of starts Mm -hmm. that way, like the way the camera follows him around makes it seem like, oh, this is the side character episode, we're going to see, you know, how Wolfram and Hart works through his point of view, which doesn't end up happening, but a lot of shows do like it. Angel does it, like, five episodes later with Harm's Way. I was gonna say, it's much better. I fucking love Harm's Way. So much better. Uh, yeah. And honestly, if we're, we're going to go through any, like, random employee uh, at Woman Heart, I would want to see from the perspective of, like, the guy who looks like the devil. He was always right? fascinating to me. I love that guy. I don't, don't, <laughs> I don't think he's a Woman Heart employee. I think he's a client. I oh, feel like maybe. he might be an employee just because like, he says though. that he... Uh, I think it's in Your Welcome where he's like, we're going to play like racquetball or tennis or something with yeah. uh, Angel. And I feel like he's employed because they had shown him before, yeah, I think Yeah, I think it's a client. Yeah, it feels like it's a client. He's like one of their lead clients because he's mm-hmm. one of the dudes that they go after at the very end. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. But see, it's a mysterious person in general, but when you've got like people at Wolfram and Hart as people to compare to, even Harmony is crazier than him, really. This (laughs) guy, when you learn more about his life, like obviously he's got some like wacky background, but for the most part, even once you learn everything there is to know about him, he's still kind of just like a random dude. It's like like he's a wrestler who also like fought crime. He's basically John Cena. I have. So, like, I have real issues with a lot of what happens uh, later on in the episode, which, I mean, we'll delve into, but Mm -hmm. I have so many questions of whether or not he is just a wrestler, Yeah, he's just a human, because Sean and I were, like, so confused during this, and Sean even had to look it up, like, he was just a human. I have so many issues with that, but I'll wait till we get to the fight <laughs> scenes, which make zero sense with that. Oh, God. Which, yeah. I can't be, I, can't, they can't be just humans. I had a fun, fa- fun fact, I guess, about this, because I was wondering, basically, if they used, like, just, like, local uh, L.A. indie wrestlers in it. But apparently they just used stunt doubles. Uh, like Aww. they used to like just use uh, like stunt uh, artists to do it, not like actual wrestlers. But like the stunt coordinator specifically for wrestling, he is like a wrestling like a uh, personal wrestling trainer, and he actually trained uh, the Young Bucks, who are like quite possibly the best tag team in the entire world. So he's a good at his job, that's for sure. Yeah, the wrestling it, stuff was the actual was wrestling was pretty cool, but. Mm-hmm. It got a little weird when they got out of the ring and or yeah. talked <laughs> or had their backstories mentioned or anything. <laughs> yeah, or were present was, on screen. It was um, the, yes. basically the, like the worst part about the show is that this episode specifically is that they're trying to get Angel's whole story across through a very it's not that compelling of a story in general. Like they're trying to do the parallels, right. but this is not good. <laughs> No, it's not. It, 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 it makes it hard to even like Angel because of that, because the, the parallel see, is so poorly I'm like all done. into Angel's particular struggle, but when he has to compare it basically to Numero Cinco's, it, like, it completely falls flat for me. It, mm-hmm. it felt like all of the Numero Cinco stuff needed like two or three more rewrites. Like, Angel does a Day of the Dead Mexican wrestling mm-hmm. episode. This sounds, you know, let's go for it. This sounds really exciting. And mm-hmm. then it's it's not that funny it's not that deep it's not that tense like there's the the main plot mm-hmm. of this episode just it's just kind of there um like the the only time that that part really made me like interested was the whole um devil's robot robot callback. Yes. but yeah. that's a callback that was, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I will say we might as well honestly just jump around for this episode. I see, I feel like that's going to be the thing we're going to have to do. But mm-hmm. one thing, like the scene where he takes uh, Angel to show him like how like the legacy has been spat upon because there's like there's little people wrestling basically oh, as them. Which that was here's the thing upsetting. about uh, but here's the thing about lucha libre wrestling like uh, in their culture little people wrestling wrestlers are treated like just like treated like any other wrestler actually they're like in a, like a, a real live like main event status like they're treated. It's not like a joke or anything like that. So well, then that makes his whole yeah. like reaction so much actually more offensive. Yeah, because he assumes it's a, an insult when it's not. I mean, I guess because I, I didn't know the specifics, and they don't do a good job of explaining that. Like they should have someone. I mean, we're not all experts in the lucha, so we all mm-hmm. like for me, I just I was assuming like, wow, what a slam. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, it's that's not also too. just and, sad. And lucha I mean, underground, the current uh, wrestling show on El Rey, uh, that on Robert Rodriguez Network, actually. One of the executive producers uh, was uh, an assistant, a writer's assistant on Angel. Uh, but yeah, they have they have a little person wrestler on uh, the roster, and he wrestles along with just you know, quote unquote regular size uh, men and women. Like everyone is basically equal in it. So it 
it wouldn't be the joke that he's saying it is. I think some of the struggle is too, just like, why are you, go- even if that's the case, and obviously little person wrestlers are great, why do you even bring that into it if, if the show's not going to address it? Just make them shitty wrestlers. You don't need to make them yeah. little people wrestlers. That's almost feeling like the show's trying to make a weird joke about it. Because they don't, maybe they don't know any better, or if they did know better, yeah. just have someone say that verbally. I, I think it's fairly clear that the show is not going along with what Latoya is saying. Um, I think that uh, Numero Seco <laughs> even says yeah. specifically that it's a farce. Yeah. And really, this, they're kind of, they look down on a lot of the Lelucha stuff in general. I think they kind of make it a joke that he's like a Lelucha wrestler. Yep. And that's not really a joke to a lot of people. This it's is silly, but it's not. Th- this is not what you'd call the most culturally sensitive episode. It really is not. Oh yeah, you don't say. <laughs> but uh, so so we'll speak. We can we can kind of move a little bit forward because uh, it, it's it's tough because a lot of the other characters also take a back seat. Like yeah. this is a very very Angel and Numero Cinco heavy episode, and everyone which... like just talks about hey, what's Angel feeling? Well, it's just not good. I feel like like when it's in the Wolfram and Hart offices, it's actually pretty good. Like. The, the sort yeah. of main thematic character stuff that goes through the whole season, like, especially with Spike and trying to figure out, you know, what's up with Angel and all that. Like, this is all important stuff, and it's all, you mm-hmm. know, well-written Angel stuff, and then it goes then to he, they go Cinco, on location, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not. And yeah. I always forget that, because when I rewatch the season, which I've done a couple times, I always forget how much of the plot is actually like there's a lot of major elements of the entire arc that are are to like start off in this episode like Spike looking into the Sandshoe prophecy uh, a lot of that stuff it it gets started here and I always miss this episode because I tend to skip it yeah Yeah. because it's very boring that's that's the thing about Buffy and Angel in general is like there's so many filler episodes (laughs) god damn it how far did we get into it Uh, 17 minutes oh 14 based on the recording though so yes. god okay. damn it um yeah the secret word is buffy um i was going to say is that there are so many like, obviously filler episodes uh, in seasons but it's like there's always at least one thing that's important or like really really good so it's like well then i guess i can't skip it but i always want to skip this episode right. so much i, just, I almost like, fell asleep yeah, watching it. I, it's supposed to be one of the humorous episodes like i said but it's just it's not funny it's not it's weird because angel does humor very well like shockingly well i guess and there this are, episode just yeah. doesn't fall through there are humorous moments but none of them that have to do with the numero cinco stuff yeah like yeah, when Warren calls things. uh fred almost a woman <laughs> oh yeah you're sort of a woman sort of i was like woman. what and then she, I actually, I respect that she actually says, uh, basically, like, screw you. <laughs> insulting. But I also like that she follows it up with giving him great advice, which mm-hmm. is just, well, Lauren is looking to send two, a card to some lady who's older or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know the specifics, but. Yeah, it's like a celebrity who is, like, lying about her age and she hates getting older. Right. So she says, just send her a bunch of flowers just because she's special, not mentioning her birthday at all. I'm like, that's perfect. That's a great answer. And then he doesn't really, it just sort of. It feels a little tacked on for that, because even that's supposed to be, like, the funny, like, I guess, intro scene with the Wolfram and Hart people. Because Numero Cinco is this there, basically a prop, pretty much. Honestly, the better one is, they don't really make a joke about it, which is a little scary, but the joke, the next scene, which is Angel signing a contract with his own blood, like, in a pen, in the ink (laughs) of the pen, and then uh, he's like, what? Oh, is this blood? And the, the and fact then that he asked, is says, this blood? Maybe like, uh, Angel, Angel, you're a vampire! You're a vampire. <laughs> and, and then Gunn says to him, it's okay, it's your own. And it's just like, what? And I forget how much also the, in this, I mean, in this whole arc and, I mean, the season in general, 
Gunn is really, really knocked down to his knees, like, for a lot of it. Because he starts going on about how much he's, like, obsessed with work now, that he's a, you know, like, law genius, and it just feels not like Gunn. It feels like a different character who happens to, like, wear Gunn's skin. <laughs> like, it's like, creepy. Because I told you earlier, when he says that for the first time, you know, I'm hap- excited to, like, wake up in the morning to go do work, I was like, what? But, Gunn, you were the one who was always the most gung-ho about like, all of this ass-kicking, like, to a point where it was dangerous and Cordy was worried about you. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no. Nope. I would have made... You know who should have said that line is maybe Wesley or something. Because now he's been like, all this what? research stuff he could do. <laughs> so you said or that? even Fred. Like, those are people who can say, this is the first time I've ever felt alive or felt like I'm doing something. Because those are two people who like what? to work in corporate environments and with research and science. So those are people who are definitely benefiting from being at Wolfram and Hart. Gunn, I mean, he's benefiting now that he's got the new knowledge, but let's, Gunn the character. Let's hold uh, back up a second. Has Gunn had a different job before this? Besides just, like, fighting Denver demons. Hunting? Yeah, Yeah. besides just, like, age-old. Like, has, mm-hmm. he, has he had any kind of... I mean... I doubt it. Like, he's, he's he led his gang of vampire-hunting kids mm-hmm. uh and we don't know that he had a job then and then he worked with angel investigations which... and he always he seems psyched about some... that though yeah yeah and he i feel like he must have had some kind of job because he was he living like literally in hovels like uh they were either like you were usually either like kind of living like in a warehouse like all together or what was it season two they were basically allowed to live in a, an apartment rent free because they were like keeping the vamp situation down Oh, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. So, I, that makes sense. But, yeah, I don't know that he has had a job before this. This might be one of his first jobs, so... Like, his, like, first real job, obviously. <laughs> and maybe that maybe that translates to some of his eagerness, that he's never had a situation where he can be, like, you know, his own... Not his own boss, he's probably got a boss here, but, like, you know, his being his own, like, self-starting individual. But, again, he definitely worked, even if you don't consider it, like, traditional work, but he was working for Angel Investigations. Like, I'm sure they, they had well, to file taxes or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, they had, right? a, they had a whole a whole thing about how weird it was for them to try to pay Gunn, and then when they finally asked him, he's like, ooh, money. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he... So, so, it's hard to just take it seriously that suddenly, like, Gunn is now interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it feels kind of sad. It feels like one of those things that they implanted in his head is the idea that this is going to be rewarding work Expe- for him. Yeah, especially since it's just because we know how, like, excited he was. He was always excited, you know, just to go out there and, like, get into it with, like, demons and vampires. So, it just, it seemed, like, well, he, very... He like, had that oh. in common with... He had that in common with Connor a lot, is mm-hmm. that they would be the two that were like, let's go fucking break some skulls or something. <laughs> like, that's... Those two were always just, yeah. like... Chomping at the bit to beat shit, beat the shit up for better or worse, basically. Yeah, they're good at it. He feels, I think, he feels absolutely like validated in his dislike of demons by killing demons and protecting people. And now suddenly it's all about like signing. Well, we should say that I guess what he is doing now is that he has him sign that contract in blood, which Mm -hmm. banishes demons into a hell dimension, Mm -hmm. disbands an illegal dumping ring, and then Mm -hmm. starts a foster fund for people who are orphaned by vampire attacks. And he's like, see, we're doing all this good. So, I mean, maybe yeah. some of that, that wanting to do good is translated to this. Yeah, because but... he says that they did more good in a month than they did in a year at Angel Investigations, which, I, that, that too, I'm like, that's very upsetting. It's it's very, it's actually, this is, it, I mean, that's, this is very honest general. to Angel in general, the series. 
Yeah, but it's, it's very it's a scathing indictment of corporate culture and people <laughs> assuming that just because something's happening at large means that they're actually changing. Like little things matter well, when you're changing the world. I so. mean, th- this is this is the theme of the season, and this mm-hmm. is early in the season, so that we're getting to the point where you know some of the characters are excited about the opportunity to change Mm -hmm. things from within and that's what they're going for like some of the details might be messed up but remember angel you know messed up the details Mm -hmm. when he cast the spell which they oh yeah if we're going to talk about the season as a whole because we've we've been arguing about this on twitter roman and we might as well just bring it up basically and i put this in my notes specifically so i could more like just clarify um a lot of my problem with angel season five is not not even that i have a problem with angel season five at all really because Angel is my favorite show, like, ever, period, pretty much. Um, and, like, when I rank it lower than other seasons, I still love the season. Like, I love every single season of the show. But my thing with Even Angel... Even season one? Yeah, actually. I, I, I love season I one. love every season of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but my thing is that, especially when people... Because, and more apparently hadn't known this, but, like, it's, it's kind of the popular opinion that Angel season five is, like... People have said that it's the best season of the series and that it's their favorite season. And my problem specifically with that is just the fact that Angel Season 5 is... It really is a different show. It's intentional that it's a different show, but it is a different show. Because, honestly, the characters for most of the season, for the majority, have are missing a season and a half of their memories. For them, which it's changes because of that. And it seems to me a lot of people don't really take that into account. I, I'm sure, obviously, you do, Rowan, because you, you know what you're talking about. But well, let's not like go nuts here. So, <laughs> sometimes you know what you're talking about. Sometimes you understand <laughs> references, as, I, as as you've noted. Um, so, but yeah, it's because I, I a lot of it's like it's so cool because you know Spike or whatever. And a, a lot of ways to me is it's I was saying also it's kind of like Angel meets like GQ basically. It's really a different show, and I appreciate the show it is, but it's still not the same one that I fell in love with essentially. So, and it's it's tough because I think it I think it also like what you're saying is like, perfect because it's it, still I think thematically it, it, the same show. I will say that exactly. That's why and I also prefer Angel to Buffy because it always sticks to the mission statement to a theme. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's and I think by the end of the season they do dis- yeah they completely deconstruct what we watch. So it's hard for me to totally love the season because so much of it is spent cheering them getting out of this like weird dimension they're now in because of all the spell stuff and then the new workplace and then the new everything is always just changing and like literally Gunn has a whole new personality because of an implant in his head and I mean Wesley that must totally screw with Wesley too because Wesley was so changed oh, by yeah. all the Connor stuff I and uh, Rowan you might even remember this because I don't quite remember this and I asked Maura where does Wesley think his next scar is from because I know what, when they think of what happened possibly although all they remember is a lot of Jenga but I don't know how where he thinks his like scar on his neck which you can see in the episodes like, I don't think know where he thinks that it came from. I don't think they ever mentioned that. And you, yeah. I don't think that the the show kind of does a weird TV thing where it happily just shoves that all to the side. Like, these are mm-hmm. still mostly the same characters. Gun, there are some differences. Right. And, um, like, in some respects, they've been kind of toned down. Like, Wesley is no longer on yeah. the verge of the breakdown until the next episode after this one so that, <laughs> exactly. that didn't last um so like it, it it's a joss Whedon thing like he doesn't care so much about the text as he does about getting the characters into the right places mm-hmm. and right. 
that makes it really easy to nitpick, but, like, it's still Fred, it's still Wesley, it's still Lorne, it's still Angel. Gun, you can obviously have some issues with, and that's totally understandable, because they are trying to do a different thing with him, but I think Mm -hmm. that where it ends up, like, at this point, like, this, I think, is the last episode before Angel Season 5 really begins, in my mind. Like, if I'm doing a rewatch, I'm starting with the next episode. Exactly. Or maybe the one one before this. Um, You just, because you're usually, you're skipping this episode, basically, what we're saying, more or less. Yeah, the the first three, four episodes are not that great. Um, The the premiere is important thematically, but it's not really good. Um, To understand what Spike's there for, yeah, definitely (laughs) useful. Yeah, but it's also, it's also like, this angel thinks that he can change Wolfram and Hart by murdering the bad people in Wolfram and Hart. And mm-hmm. um, by the end of the season, they're at the point where, no, they cannot change Wolfram and Hart, but they're still into the murder thing. Um, yep. That's, it's rough. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm the same way. Where, like, I, I think, in my, in my notes I actually have here, is that I, having gone back and having watched this episode, I then got on a binge of watching a bunch of other episodes, because that's how Angel is. Um, but I think Angel does a thing that's kind of interesting and very now indicative of the way that shows like AMC or channels like AMC are doing shows. I almost feel like they have two halves of the same season every season, where the first half is one completely different arc, and the second half tends to have a compl- another one completely separate from that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like those two are unrelated. Usually one happens because of the other. But getting there, almost always, it feels like you need to start either at the beginning or the middle, because you're not gonna... You can't just start at a random episode of Angel, unless yeah. it's a standalone where it's like... Even the standalones, though, like Spin a Bottle... Mm-hmm. Arguably, it's kind of a standalone episode, yeah, but, but then there's like so many important on, things. That, like, yeah, like seasons are things, and that's that's another reason why, like season five, just the kind of the adoration for it kind of irks me at times, just because I adore like serialized Angel. Like I, my television, mm-hmm. the more serialized, the better. Because I've always said it before, I was the weird kid who was like so into Alias and my mom's actually the one who forced me to watch WB shows because she thought something was wrong with me like <laughs> watch what the kids are watching and then she made me watch the episode of Dawson's Creek where his dad died so I'm like well this is just a punishment but <laughs> yeah I love like serialized stuff and it always would piss me off when like basically network would mandate no make it more procedural that's, that's just like my general pet peeve and it's interesting because this this season definitely had a lot of standalone like that. Mm-hmm. But then when you look back, like you're, you're mm-hmm. six episodes down, and you're yeah. like, "Whoa!" There's been all this plot stuff going on yeah. that you don't notice because even on Angel's bad days, when they're mm-hmm. trying to be as standalone as possible, there's just they can't help but let a little serialization get in there because it's like honestly, definitely one of the shows where if you miss like even a couple of episodes, like I was mentioning to my friend about how I she's only seen Buffy. She hasn't seen Angel. And then she... I was talking to her about, like, well, that must be weird because you don't know anything about Wesley because after Wesley leaves Buffy, <laughs> he becomes Wesley. <laughs> because the Wesley on Buffy is kind of like a nobody. He's just like a random guy who's interesting in character, but a different person. And then you get that same person in the beginning of Angel, but then he gets, you know, slowly unwound. But then another thing is that if you watch Buffy completely separate from Angel, you're gonna watch Faith leave, having almost killed Buffy, disappear, and then come back to lead the Scooby gang into the apocalypse. So you're gonna be like, what's happening? They do a little bit of introduction when she comes back, I'm sure. But Like, hey guys, she's not evil anymore. But there's a lot of shit happening that you can't really think about that anyway. And then, like, Buffy is also a very serialized show, too, but I think it's a lot a lot easier to uh, miss a season and still understand what's happening, because a lot of the stuff is a lot... It's, it's a little bit more... 
Um, it's a little less ambitious than some of Angel, because Angel moves the plot along at a rapid pace at times. Season so four, like, oh, damn. Like, I, I mean, not even, the literal representation of that being that Connor goes from a baby to a grown, <laughs> practically a grown man within, like, what is it, like a month or two or something? Yeah. Like, days, practically. So, and then even Wesley, Wesley ages from the season he gets there on Angel to the last season, he looks like he's aged 30 or 40 years. Yes. That life, so I, that life was tough. So I think it's important that we all... I like that we all can get across that we all enjoy the season to varying degrees, but it's definitely a different uh, tone in some ways than past seasons because they wanted to try something a little different, especially because they introduced Spike, so it is kind of like bringing a little bit of that Buffy... Trying to make it more accessible. Right. And they they did, I think. The the thing with Angel is that it's even from basically when it starts really getting going when faith shows up in season one um it operates according to these like three to six episode mini arcs so it's not quite the like half season division but it's uh yeah fairly close to it and sometimes they go sometimes it it ends up working where you can cleave a season in half that way but um i think even season five operates according to that like Mm -hmm. the there's sort of the the five or six intro to Wolfram and Hart episodes, mm-hmm. of which this is the last one, and then you get into mm-hmm. the sort of Shanshu stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is not like a huge arc. It's got one big mm-hmm. episode, but then you get into the Lindsay and Cordelia stuff, yeah, which um, and- that's that's a very clear arc, and then there's mm-hmm. Illyria, which um, yeah, basically obviously. kicks it into full <laughs> serialization mode. But it's mm-hmm. still doing this while it- each episode stands on its own, which mm-hmm. is. And it has been doing that for a, mm-hmm. a long time because obviously, like, like you said, the Faith arc in season one, you have uh, the like human Darla stuff too. Yeah. Like when he's trying to save her, uh, you have in season three, you have just like baby Connor all the way. To, then you get adult Connor, and of course, like um, the Angelus Faith stuff in season four, and yeah. then of course uh, the Jasmine stuff at the end of season four. It's also just a few episodes, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can you can divide these up into these little chunks, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, before season five it makes it very difficult mm-hmm. to find like this is my favorite episode of angel mm-hmm. like there are a few that stand out that way like the evil hand episode and so on but mm-hmm. yeah, most it, of it the time like, it's like yeah. if you say my favorite is pilea well that's four episodes so <laughs> exactly I, and it's strange, yeah, especially, yeah, yeah. If you, especially looking back to you like after just originally watching the show uh it's like oh that was like this many episodes it seemed like it just all kind of happened together or like either it, it seems like it all happens for like a long time it's like oh that was just two episodes and it's it's kind yeah. of it's really impressive how seamlessly uh, angel like does a lot of things honestly yeah like in season four because yeah, even this episode because season four uh, does it, season... how many how long like what is the time span that season four takes place in <laughs> like a month i bet I you yeah, like a month it takes place in the month yeah which is but, insane uh, that's crazy but like in season four like it's not very good when the only villain they have is the Beastmaster. Like, the the evil Cordelia stuff, it's just, that doesn't work at all for the show. But that's like two but the episodes. Things, yeah, but the things and, around and it are, are great, like, honestly. Yeah, but I, I think I think that those two episodes where she's like trying to negotiate with Angelus and stuff, those mm-hmm. are where it starts to drag. But that's only like two episodes of a 22 episode thing that's just like off like a rocket ship through the rest of them and mm-hmm. like that's great i like that like it it sucks what happened to cordelia and when that takes yeah. center stage like that's when the season's at its weakest mm-hmm. but that's not actually all that much of that season because there's a whole honestly, bunch of great yeah. stuff that goes on there and like honestly the more 
I rewatch the season, the more I love it. And it, like it, honestly, it pissed me off so much about the whole Cordelia, like Joss charisma thing. But in at the end of the day, I really love that season. Besides, like the yeah. crapping, like the clear, like tacked on things that just because for circumstance. And I just hate the sight of Cordelia and Connor. It like is burned in my mind well, forever. That's repulsive for everybody. Involved, it's like the I'm worst sure. thing in my life, but. <laughs> It's, but honestly, I went so, back. It's, season is impressive. That's an impressive season of television, honestly. It is, and I went back having wanted to watch a, binge watch a couple episodes. Well, really, mostly I just wanted to watch the episode where they reinstall Angel or Angelus, and I was thinking like, oh, it'll be like the episode where he loses his soul and the episode where he gets it back. It's like, oh no, 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 this is like five or six episodes <laughs> where they lead up to it. Then they, I like it, it. Really does feel like the plot that on another show that would be a whole episode, and then he get it back by the end of the episode. But you mean Vampire show, Diaries? Yes, <laughs> more or less. I mean, I love Vampire Diaries for how quick it is, but sometimes you just gotta like have everything just be slow and steady. Drag it yeah. out a little bit. It's interesting. Yeah. It, it yeah. adds to it. The Vampire Diaries is like really good at getting rid of the bad stuff quickly. Like when someone has this mm-hmm. really stupid secret that they're trying to keep from everyone, that's usually like gone <laughs> in an episode or two. Where yeah, on yeah. Buffy, that would last for like half a year. Oh, that would be like the that would last finale. for, for <laughs> like, like by four the seasons. <laughs> or yeah, it'd, yep. Or it'd be never mentioned again. Well, the Vampire Diaries <laughs> certainly has its its uh, its share of those, but um, it's like the difference between I don't know. It's like cauterizing a wound and stitching it. Like yeah. it's just two <laughs> different like mentalities. And I I mean this episode in particular. It really does feel like it is more that than it is the normal angel because, like, it kind of it barrels through the plot and it really doesn't do too much like the other. That's yeah, why it's we kind have of a hard time watching. It fails it feels for like it, it stands, basically. Yeah, yeah. It has it stands alone too much. It never yeah. actually gets into the serialization the way it should. Well, I, I think I feel like this might this is probably not anywhere near the worst episode of Angel like it's not great but um, it's probably the most disappointing because you have what sounds initially like an interesting premise and it's right before season 5 kicks into gear like the episodes Mm -hmm. after this there's like 15 episodes and I would say only one of them is below really good and that Mm -hmm. one's still perfectly fine the World War 2 one which one like Oh, oh we have to say, is it why we fight? Exactly. Yeah. Well, the World War Two one, like, okay, sure, that's kind of cute. That's whatever. a good cons- It's a good. Th- it's good in theory. I think it's. I think it's also what I said about this episode too in my notes. Like, it's like good in theory, not so much in practice. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that I one worked agree. better in practice, but I I haven't rewatched that one in a in quite a while. It's not. I'm not sure I've ever rewatched good. it, but. Um, but it's anyway. not great. It's got Spike and black hair. It's just horrible. <laughs> Nazi, Nazi Spike and black hair. Nazi Spike and black. Well, Nazis in quotation marks. Yeah. He's kind of just like loyal to himself but, and nobody else. Yeah, I. But yeah, actually, it's... I'm not a big fan of Damage. I will say. Which one is Damage? Really that is the I one. That's the, the I, Psycho Slayer. Yeah, that's the one where yeah. Teresa from the OC is a Psycho Slayer. Yes, that's always Teresa from the OC. I yeah. never think of her. <laughs> and also Andrew's in it, and we're not talking about Andrew. No, Andrew. Wait, Andrew on oh. Angel is not that interesting he's kind of the reverse of spike on angel i think Mm -hmm. that's very true Uh, but so so in this episode we can i mean we've already kind of just got to the credits but we can kind of zoom along past that because the only other thing that really goes on behind the scenes of the main plot like plot of it is just um spike vaguely like talking about how he wants to be a person a real boy like hinting (laughs) yeah a real boy and hinting that he'd rather switch places with angel angel's like you would never want to he's like try being a ghost and being all disconnected 
And, uh, well, in the next second from that, of course, Angel trying to say that he has a worse than him, Angel goes to give the mail to Numero Cinco and gets thrown through a, pl- a plate of glass. <laughs> so clearly the Angel does have it tough, but it's a little, it's a, it's a hard to deal with kind of toughness because it's next to Spike. Spike's literally a ghost. I, it's, it's a little hard for me to be like, oh yeah, he definitely has it worse. I guess on well, one level he does, but... I mean, the thing that bugged me about that is that that was just like a straight-up classism thing, where you have the CEO who's going and literally grabbing the mailman and getting freaked out when the mailman reacts poorly. Like, it's it's this this weird thing. It gets more ridiculous when you realize what Numero Cinco thought was happening instead of, like, what was actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's very paranoid. We get to that at some point, but, but like... But even still, like, Angel runs up and grabs him. And yeah, that's it, like that's just not, not a really cool thing to do when you're in charge of the company, and I don't know. It's it, it this the weird thing about what I was talking about earlier about how it seems like it's coming from the mailman's point of view initially. <laughs> then it switches over to Angel, and the show has its, us feel like it's trying to have us feel like Angel has had this weird thing happening to him when Angel was kind of a jerk there. He was being the CEO and not caring about what his employees were doing. And I do like that the show then immediately switches it up to agree with you on that. Well, after credits, we have credits. Uh, but then Fred is just like, you're not going to fire him, are you? <laughs> For putting you through a plate, class, plate of glass. But, like, he's kind of like, he might, maybe. Because I think Wes and, and maybe Gunn or something are, are like, hey, you should fire him because... Like, yeah, Gunn's like, you, you. you want me to fire him, right? <laughs> yeah. And then Angel's like, I don't really know. Because <laughs> Angel never knows. He's not really made for being a CEO, clearly. But, uh, and then Lauren says uh, something along the lines of, like, the word on the web is. <laughs> I was just like, no, Lauren, no. But yeah, it's, everybody's it's, it's, news has traveled. About, yeah, that, that Angel is now trying to attack elderly. Cause well, he's definitely because that's what something. Spike was saying. Like, Spike was trying to troll him by doing that, and then that yeah. became real. And, it was but great. They, I think they still fired him. Like, yeah, and they do. Or at least they definitely, it's definitely on the table back. for him to be fired. Yeah, he quits or something. And then, first of all, there's also a great line in this in this moment where someone says, "Let's focus on more important things like Wes's bodies." And I was just like, yeah, "Let's focus on Wes's body." Fred's <laughs> like, "Wes yeah. has bodies," which you know, depending on what season, it's possible. <laughs> but uh, Wes just his body. At love. I'm I'm okay with just focusing on Alexis Denisoff. I'm so surprised you have not watched Finding Carter, my friend. Mm, yes, I will. Uh, but so. <laughs> So Wes has found several bodies without hearts. So that's in the intro to the episode we saw someone get their heart ripped out. We didn't know what was happening, but he was getting his heart ripped out. And they're trying to figure out why and trying to stop it from happening. Um, so they all go out and do a little hunt down, which includes them all, you know, hopping into a, a brand new car, which is not very angel-like either, which kind of seems a little strange. But uh, they all go zooming off to, like, fight crime, even though normally they would just send off their flunkies to do it, because now they're corporate guys, but... They're just going off themselves, and they... I do like... There's a great joke, too, where uh, they're asking why Spike's sitting in the front seat, and he's like, I called shotgun, and then Wes literally pulls out a shotgun. He's like, oh, I thought we were just doing a weapons check. beloved shotgun. (laughs) So hot. Uh, So, uh, I do love this show. I'm sorry. It's... it's, I'm shameless about those kind of little jokes. (laughs) One of the best parts of the episode for me was watching Wes shoot a shotgun, and he seemed so happy, as opposed to, like, just cold and detached. (laughs) Yes. 
Oh, baby. I have a lot of notes about Wesley. That's I mean, my, a little bit further down. It's like, Wes shooting a shotgun. Hey. OTP. I put Wes shotgun OTP in my notes. I love it. Yes, Rowan, you were saying? I mean, the, like, one of the greatest moments of the entire Buffyverse is Wesley pulling out the double pistols against yes. the beast and then the, the shotgun. Like, it's like, oh, I'm in a John Woo movie now. <laughs> So, so good. There's it's... so much slow motion in season four, and I love oh, every single bit the, of it. And a face flipping backwards and all that stuff. Mm. Oh, it's great. And then Alexis Stanislav has a great like sh- gun shooting face where he just <laughs> doesn't react at all. It's just a straight line on his mouth, and it is very attractive. Uh, but so he has the shotgun in the scene. Instead of calling shotgun, he just actually brought one, which is funny. Uh, but then they go to well. Angel being Angel, although he couldn't smell the blood earlier in the episode. He, he didn't know what blood, blood was, time. especially his own blood. His dummy. own blood. God Maybe vampires uh, can't smell their own blood. Oh, is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, logic. Logic. But, uh, so he, uh, th- it's pretty great, because there's, there's a scene where someone's saying, like, uh, Angel, there's a church up there you might want to check out, and he just, like, stops, swerves, like, the most, parks, like, a John Woo movie. The queen in the world, Angel. Yeah. And he spins and spins and spins and parks. And I do love Spike saying, see? Always was a bit of a drama queen. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty true. Because he just kind of parks the car and just runs off. And then they find another he could, body he, with He could have just told out. them what happened. Nope. Yeah, easily. He could have just said, hey, I'm going to stop and park here. I smell something. Instead, he just, like, zooms, turns around, like, fast five. And then parks it in front of, like, a theater or something. Why specifically uh, so- fast five, more? <laughs> That's where I feel like the, the franchise really came into its own. Uh, so, <laughs> so he, so he, they jump out. They realize that the demon who's been killing people is probably still in the area, the and then turns around. It's actually right behind them. And then we get the West with the shotgun scene, which is great because they're all sucking uh, at fighting. And this is like uh, this scene specifically. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh god, this season's such a dude season because the fact that it was just all these dudes charging in, it's like, oh no, because and Fred's back like yeah. doing work in the lab, yeah. which is fine. And this but... is why I'm like, why couldn't we keep Gwen Raiden? Why couldn't we keep Gwen? One or of at least moments. put Nina in action. Nina was introduced. This is, well, at this, this is, point, right? I think this might be pre-Nina. This pre-Nina. Oh, okay. She shows up in like three totally random episodes. Actually, so. yeah, I know, and I never maybe, know where they are. I feel like her first her. episode might have been earlier. Actually, that the, her first episode's not good. No, yeah, it's, so it's it not must amazing. have been earlier. Yeah, and then she comes back, but she should have come back earlier, right? Because yeah, but the, the second time she's there is smile time. I think actually. Well, we get Illyria eventually, so we do get some more Fred. But you know, it's always good to have some more ladies helping out in the fight. But so she she's back in the the lab because once they they get well, first of all, the demon just disappears because they're all terrible at fighting it. Even Fred, even uh, West with this great shotgun. So they bring <laughs> back some blood that was on one of the blades they were they're cutting it up with. Um, that to do God, some tests the human was the one who managed to get it. Right! So, they test that, and she doesn't really have any information yet, but in the meantime, Spike is kind of, like, lurking around, being grumpy, and then... He tried to help, but he couldn't. Yeah, which is kind of... Because I actually really enjoy that scene, because he gets some of the scenes where uh, Spike is there trying to help fight, because that's what Spike does, but he's a ghost, so he can't actually hit anybody. So you get all these people with all this, like, frenetic energy of, like, punching people and flipping and all this kind of stuff, and then you have... James Marster is just walking slowly, not in the <laughs> nonchalantly in the background. It's kind of interesting because it's a very I don't know. It's a very 
I think it was a very much an acting choice. I do him. appreciate the fact that it's like not just Spike just snarking over all of them. Then he's like, he's just that would have been annoying. Yeah, he's just pissed that he can't do anything. Also, I just looked it up and I can't believe I didn't realize this. The first episode with Nina is titled Unleashed. Right, <laughs> I knew that. You didn't know that. I, <laughs> okay. I never really thought about it because I, like, I think maybe that's another episode I honestly skip. But oh like, the episode is titled Unleashed. My God, not great, not great. But um, well, Lena's a werewolf. For those of you not in the know, uh, so now they're uh, groaning too. Yeah. Oh God. So uh, the the spike scene is also important because this is kind of like the introduction to him wanting to be interested in the Shanshu prophecy at large. Because as West is researching and Fred's doing her tests, Spike's kind of like harumphing that he can't really help. And then she's like, well, you helped in Sunnydale, so that's why you can't help now. And he's like, well, it wasn't really that big a deal. I only kind of stood there. I, I always kind of like that about Spike, is that, like, you think he's always this, like, braggart weirdo, but, like, every once in a while... Especially he when he's around Buffy. <laughs> yeah. But every once in a while, he's, like, super humble about stuff, and it's very refreshing to have someone, like, go back and forth like that, like a normal human being. It's yeah. a very different That's a good mentality. stuff I like about Spike. I, I also feel like they're kind of making fun of Buffy there. Uh, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. Who wrote this episode? Is it somebody switched uh, back this and was, forth to uh, Buffy? This was Jeffrey Bell. Okay, so it wasn't somebody who worked on Buffy much. So <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that they're kind of saying like, you know, Buffy, your climax was a little ridiculous. <laughs> it definitely was. Not I much, mean, uh, not much agency <laughs> for your supposed hero there. Not much exactly. agency or no agency at all. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But so it's it's a little. T- but so Spike is there, kind of like lurking around, as Spike has done this entire season so far, because he has nothing to do because he's a ghost. Uh, although he's trying to work on grabbing things. That's Spike's. It's like a little kid. He's learning on the yeah. phrase. He's befriended Fred, and that's a nice little friendship. Yeah, I do like... I think Spike and Fred is really good, because it feels like... Almost like a... Obviously, the, the, the obvious correlation is Willow and Fred, as when Willow comes to the show, they're, like, basically... Not carbon copies, but, like, very similar personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Spike had always a really good camaraderie with Willow, too, which started in season three. So I think it's almost like he's got a little bit of Sunnydale here, even though... He's not really, you know, he mm-hmm. doesn't really know her the same way he knows Willow, but, you we, know. We should so. also mention that Fred hit on Willow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's well, an important to aspect of that episode. And, yeah, Fred hit on Willow, and Willow was definitely hitting on Fred, so, which is always great, because it always happens but, right in front of the, like, no, the worst, But the worst part of that happened. is when Willow's like, I'm seeing someone, and then you have to remember that person is Kennedy. Oh, Kennedy. Oh, <laughs> the tongue ring. Oh! God. <laughs> I unsubscribe. I blocked the tongue ring out of my mind. Oh god, the tongue ring. God damn it. Uh, yeah. So aren't uh, you so, so happy you're on this podcast, Rowan? <laughs> I, I'm not actually that much of a Kennedy hater. I mean, oh, I don't okay. like her, but mm-hmm. I think pretty much all the other potential slayers are worse. They're all garbage. They're all not great. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much all of them. Like even potential Felicia Day is like really yeah. annoying at first, yeah. and then turns into a badass at the end, but. <laughs> Yeah, I they... do like the one girl. Um, well, I always think of her as from Freaks and Geeks. I can't think of her name. Oh yeah, oh, Millie. Uh, yeah. Millie is yeah, good. Both. Yeah, she's probably the only one that's actually because she's just a great actress in general. Yeah, so I think that's part of it. It's, it's hard to find her. Not. Great. It's a lot of bad acting with these potential slaves. <laughs> they're young. They're young women, and not. Not. I mean, early Buffy can have bits of that too. We just we're seeing them up against people who are seasoned actors at this point. It's yeah. not a great combo. It, and they're they're basically written to wine. And yeah. like, nobody likes characters who do nothing but whine. Like this is not a good look for anyone. Well, well even know, the show had just gotten rid of Dawn. Well, and honestly, I was gonna say, of, but, but like, hey, it's season seven's great for Dawn because she's done whining. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else is whining. 
Exactly. It's like we just got over this. We just dealt with her finally growing up, crawling out of a hole in the ground, and becoming an adult, and now we're right back to where we started. <laughs> okay. I love how we weren't sure if we were going to devolve into a Buffy conversation, and then we went into a full-on Buffy conversation. I was sure. <laughs> we were trying so, to fight it. Not well, though. All right. So, uh, so they they kind of they let Spike off the hook because they're like, it's okay, Spike. You did save my life, which Fred is nice to say because he technically did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get well, more of the uh, whatever so, of big T. Big T. <laughs> have you have you guys read the um, After the Fall comics? I did read it. No. And I was upset because like I really did not like the Angel comics at all, honestly. I, I preferred uh, the Buffy comic, which was not great either. Well, After the Fall is a weird thing because it's like, it takes sort of, it's like a post-season five thing, but it's mm-hmm. done with like season four levels of crazy serialization. Because yeah. um, season four is basically a graphic novel in TV format. Yeah. But I, I, just, I also like the art is very difficult to keep up with yeah. things because that art is very nondescript. Yeah, uh, but like... I thought that a lot of the writing, when they started talking about like how season five worked, it helped me sort of reframe the the entire season, mm-hmm. and in a really interesting way. And one of the, those things is that Spike had a crush on Fred, and I I'm mean, not sure like I if it's I mean, like who a, wouldn't? It's not like a yeah. Besides uh, Angel, you know, <laughs> just you know, um, Spike wants to sleep with Fred, or if it's just like Fred's just so awesome and nice and sweet and. Like he says that he loved her, and doesn't really mention about how platonic that is. But it sort of it sort of shifts the season into being much more about how um, the betrayal that Wolfram and Hart does to Fred is like the thing that just wrecks everything. Because um, with the with the way that it does the sort of thematic serialization, but the standalone episodes, it's kind of hard to say that yes this is the thing that made them all collapse because the mm-hmm. show itself sort of more focuses on Angel getting the visions from Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's this is a, this part is fairly important in that it's like getting the character who doesn't have a connection with Fred a much stronger connection with Fred and eventually leading towards the sort of total collapse that everyone goes through by the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, they do, they hinted, I mean, I think when she does die, they do hint that he definitely liked her a lot. Yeah. But they didn't really get into the specifics of, I mean, where it could go from there, I guess. Cause, I mean, Cause next he, to Wes, whose Wes is just, like, cutting yeah. himself of her friend every night, <laughs> He's been doing that since season three. Um, but yeah, because he was clearly always flirting with her, but even she, she just shut that down, basically. It's like, you flirt with everyone, so, like, they could never even explore that anyway, really, because she's immediately like, nope. Uh, yeah, I also feel like they had the opportunity to be more explicit about it in the comics because mm-hmm. the shippers are not going to be quite as. Vocal. It's less tied down to yeah. actual canon, even though there is. I consider that. I'm sure I, that I consider. Yeah, I consider the canon, comics but. canon for better or worse. Yeah, and so most people probably could just write it off as like, well, there's a reason why I didn't read the comics or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's sort of like a separate thing. But that's that's nice to know. At least it makes a little more sense for where this scene kind of ends up in the long term like idea. If I remember correctly, the co- the climax of the comics is Spike or the after the fall comics is Spike talking Illyria down from destroying like existence. I do I, I do that. remember that. Yeah, I do good. remember that. I like that. So he kind of is like, it's like, the, it, it, she really does kind of mirror Willow in a lot of ways because she becomes like evil Willow. 
and then Spike, I guess, is her Xander. <laughs> but, like, it is, it's interesting, because I, I like those two characters so much, and they're just, it's a kind of like, you know, it's like what Willow would have been like on Angel, I'm sure. Because Willow on Angel will be a totally different character, I'd bet. Yeah. But she's just not. But I love Fred. A lot of characters on Angel would be a completely different character. That's true. Which Oz, Oz should have been, but Oz I, never got to come back. I, again, so and to, to keep saying it, but honestly, for better or worse, as as we've seen, like just Buffy on Angel, like is usually not the best thing in the world. Like mm, true. they go for like kind of her weaknesses as a character, and they highlight those. And but although Faith on Angel, is Faith is fantastic. Faith Ex- exactly. It's so fantastic. It and Wesley on Angels Better on Boss. So it's, it well, has to fit the tone of the but, show, I guess. Willow, in, I remember seeing discussions about how Willow's appearance on Angel in Season 4 was just so much better than her on Buffy in Season but 7. Because the, in Buffy Season 7, they're basically like finding excuses not to have their god-powered witch do stuff. Where right? on, <laughs> on Angel, they were like, here, come god-powered witch, we need your help. And the oh, minute the, she shows up and like does stuff, they're all like, "Oh, you're the greatest person <laughs> in the world!" And same with Faith, even. Yeah, like, but when all, Faith gets there and starts mm-hmm. doing stuff. They're all like, yeah. like fawning over Faith, which on Buffy, Faith is like this ugly step stepchild <laughs> of everybody. Which else. honestly, I will say, like, obviously, Faith is terrible shit on Buffy. But I feel like a lot of the problem too is that Buffy can be so myopic. She, like, she doesn't even see like the problems with Faith. Like, she's just like, "I tried to help you, and you did this." It's like, I remember watching that. You weren't always great to face either, really. No, 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 no. I, I think Buffy. I love. I love Buffy. But yeah. I think she's also very much. She can like, be very yeah, laser focused on something. And laser like focused. Way or the highway. Or, and very black. Yeah, black or white. Where it's just like, if you're not on my side, you're on the side against. Exactly. Me. And, and Angel's all about shades Faith of gray. Yeah. Being, yeah. And then Faith. If Faith had somebody who was on her side during that whole shit that went down on Buffy, I'm sure she wouldn't have been as likely to jump into the mayor's Which Angel scene, tried which to be crazy. until Wesley fucked yeah. things up. Oh, good old days. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, a so. big thing about, before we get back to the actual episode, uh, the appearance of Willow in season four of Angel is that I just do, do recall like a big criticism being like how she kind of played off the whole oh yeah I went evil blah 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 just like everyone else has because like it was kind of a big yeah. deal yeah and I I liked Willow on Angel even though she's there for only I think like an episode yeah she it was also a little I almost feel like Allison Hannigan was kind of playing up the quirkiness of it like she mm. was kind of like you know like I'm so sweet Willow which Willow on, on Buffy is it's, not she like was that at anymore. that point not anymore. <laughs> No, that was like it was almost like Willow from season two. But then you could argue it was like you know her being in a new place with new people. Mm-hmm. That's why she. Well, was they don't like know how she like stuff. fucked. Like she shit the bed basically. Yeah, like she's a she's like a. I mean, like our love her hater. She's dude. a badass. Yeah, she's skin. She flayed him alive. So I don't know where. I guess maybe on Buffy, it just kind of innately influences the way her character talks to everybody is because she's known them for so long whereas on she's Angel they're all new yeah. people she doesn't have to oh, deal with the guilt because they're just a, like, they're whole, a whole crew feel, full of guilt basically on Angel constantly yeah. and part of it's just like her the tone of her voice I think she just sounds like very high pitched and like like sweet and like sap, like you know very sap, sappy kind of sounding which is not the Willow that's like that's very very early season one or two Willow that's not really around anymore she died. <laughs> but I think some of that is nerves, and some of that is the the flirting. I think that right. that is sort of a character yeah. thing. I like it though. It's interesting. Yeah. It's just like a different Willow that we didn't get to see because she's just for in a while, different she, environment. Because she was and, uh, basically that Willow was dead come season six, pretty much. Can we talk about how Spike is the character that's uh, way better on Angel than Buffy? 
Well, yeah, I, I would agree for the most part. My, like, I was also telling more of this. My biggest problem with that specifically, just of uh, Angel on, uh, I mean, Spike on Angel, is the fact that, I personally, I love uh, shallow or just, like, petty Angel kind of, like, in waves. But with Spike being on the show, it kind of makes that constant, and it gets obnoxious kind of quickly. It's... It's Big Brother Angel mm-hmm. from, like, the minute he steps onto the soil. Well, I mean, floor yeah. of Wolfram Heart. And so. sometimes he just can't Floats, calm so. down with the snarkiness. Floats, yeah, like, yeah. Sometimes... and I, it works, but it also does make him a different spike than has been on Buffy in a long time. Because Angel's been off Buffy since season three. Yeah, like, we're, yeah. We're, we're back to, like, season three or season four Spike in a lot of ways of... Which of Buffy and because he that's has a when soul Spike now. was great. But yeah, but because yeah. he has a soul now, that's always what, like, gets me, too, because... I want his behavior to be different, especially because even if people who, I guess maybe they stopped watching Buffy and only watched Angel, so they're, like, having Spike, like, the Spike they remembered, I still have to, like, remember the fact that he tried to rape Buffy. Like, that's never going to change for me. Yeah, and it's hard. There's no real way around that, because even at his best in season seven, he's still recovering from having done that. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, it's hard to like him as a person. But his struggle is mostly the first stuff, too. It's not even that, which is what... Like, he's gone crazy, pretty much. And then he's now back to, like, I can't... I can... Lurking about the change. Enjoy him to to an extent, but I can never, like, love him the way I used to, basically. Agreed. Well, I mean, who who could? No one does on the show, either, I don't think. Although I don't know that people on Angel know about that. Not that they need to know about it. Well, yeah, there's just no way any of them know about that. Like, fucking Angel would murder him. Yeah, that's very true. So it's it's interesting that that just kind of gets swept under the rug, but... It's dark, but it's just... I mean, I... I, th- I think that's like an advantage of serialized television is that mm-hmm. the angel writers can take the spike that they want and the spike that they want I think is a really good spike he's you know competitive with angel but he's competitive in like who's the goodest not um, <laughs> who can murder the most people Rowan Kaiser professional TV writer <laughs> but Writes I think about TV I, goodest I think I think before we get I think that, I think the one thing me and Latoya do fundamentally disagree on is is that I prefer a Spike that has not changed after getting a soul, whereas you want him to be broody. I don't want, I want like, Spike to be... I don't want him to be like... I don't want him to be like Angel, but I want <laughs> to know that there's a difference in him, basically. Yeah, I, I want him to be exactly the same, and I want it to be like a, a complete smug smile on Angel's face, like, without your soul, you literally would murder everybody in this room. Without my soul, I was basically getting a soul. See, <laughs> so I have no problem with him being snarky to Angel, like, that's just him in default, but I want like him to change. Otherwise, you know, that I mean, there should be, should be a better something person. really. Yeah, we're two episodes true. away from the big Spike Angel confrontation Destiny. thing. I've, and... I've complained about that whole thing too. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites, man. Yeah, I, mean, Spike... I, I love it in a way, but uh, again, because we were talking about this before, my whole thing was that is that when I think about the episode, it kind of reminds me in a way of. The season one episode, uh, Prodigal, with, you know, Angel's flashbacks of his issues with his father when he was human and then when he, like, killed him. And it's kind of like, those problems Spike has with uh, Angel are kind of in a weird father-son way. And I feel like they kind of gloss over that as soon as it gets to, oh, and Spike wins. It's like, well, why were you even showing us these flashbacks if that doesn't really even matter? Like yeah, yeah, Angel always like was an asshole to you, but Spike, you were like the most reckless like child ever. Honestly, 
Yeah, and it is definitely a child-father situation. I mean, I say big brother earlier, but it's definitely a lot of, like, you know, him and him and Angel fundamentally disagree on, like, how to be a vampire. Mm-hmm. So that's never going to really line yeah, up. Even and both without souls, they still do not agree on how to exactly. like, be the worst person in the world. And so I like him without a soul being, I mean, arguably a better... Per- I mean, again, arguably, I mean, it's, it's tough because Angel without a soul... Would probably do all things that Spike did and worse. Exactly. But well, but that's how Angel lost his soul, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But so, but Spike without his soul did that. But then he also wanted to pay for it, which is just something Angel slash Angelus would never have done. Like that's just you. I can't ever picture a world where Angelus is asking for a soul. (laughs) But it's just a difference (laughs) in it's a personality thing. It's like I mean not to go at the Vampire Diaries, but it's the Stefan versus versus Damon in the world where it's you know if somebody's without their humanity, sometimes they just act differently than you'd expect them to act with it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just a different. It's a difference. It's because everything is heightened, Mora. Damn it. Yeah. I like that Spike wins that fight. Like, mm-hmm. right. I would expect most any show, especially with the amount of, like, fan love for those characters, that the mm-hmm. writers would, you know, hedge and say that it was a tie in some way. Uh, yeah. But I, Spike just straight up winning, I think, is a really, is a really unexpected twist. And it's good, it's good for Angel as the mm-hmm. entire series, or the entire mm-hmm. season is about him kind of realizing the Wolfram and Hart is horrible for him and the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it kind of sort of goes along with that too, but, but it just, I just like I, that someone wins. I will also mm-hmm. say that I think that a lot of the Spike winning thing is a problem for me too because like he's specifically winning because he just wants Angel to lose, not because he's like I want to, you know, be this great hero I want to help the world, because Angel especially, like, uh from like the end of the season two premiere on basically is very much I'm doing this because I want to help people who can't help themselves. He's very much about being that quote unquote champion. I know that's a word that gets like fucking beaten to the ground. Diluted. <laughs> God damn it. Season yeah. God season four and that champion shit. That's like about me. season three, season four, as much as I love them, whenever they say champion I wanna shoot myself in the head. Well, the whole series ending of Buffy got completely like beaten to the ground with champions everywhere. It was all. It was. Ugh. I, hate, I hate the word champion now because of that. So it's just it it's, makes for a good it, drinking game, though. Yeah, every time they say champion, you drink and then you go into a coma, like Cordy <laughs> did because you drank too much. <laughs> Awful. But like, I, I think I mean it is brave to have Spike win on a show that's called Angel. So it's very. It is, does seem very counterintuitive to the, the idea of the show, which is kind of what Angel does like do in general, which is just sort of make things about one thing and then turn it around. Although, mm-hmm. again, this episode we're watching, they don't even really do that. This is not a very sophisticated episode. It's yeah. kind of all about exactly what the main plot is and not much else. Like, yeah, it's they... just these five guys who beat up this big T monster <laughs> and... That's it. Well, that's like, the end. Like, well, do you want? And then one of them gave up, but then he doesn't give up, and he dies a hero. at The end. Can we talk about the backstory of the Number Brothers? Yeah. Well, we're we're at that point now. We need. I, I'm we're not really like, chomping to get to El El Rabbi I feel like no one listening to this really wants to know about the episode. They want to know our opinions about everything, pretty much. Well, let's we can zoom down. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So he's uh he's talking about his olden days when when uh, Angel goes to visit him because Angel feels bad about beating him up and the whole misunderstanding. So then he hey, told, Angel didn't beat him up. I know. It's just, uh, Spike got me too. I'm sorry. He didn't really beat him up. He just kind of. Grabbed his arm and, and then, then he gets thrown Cinco through a window. Beat or him up. 
Yeah. So he's talking about his like old like the golden days of La Lucha, which I guess is the fifties based on everybody's outfits or at least. Okay, the 60s. yeah. It was definitely fifties and I was like, Well how then how the hell did Angel not hear about them then? Right? What was he was in LA. Yeah. He was at that hotel, right? Yes. So- and it was on the east side too, where the hotel is. That's one of my favorite things about like rewatching Angel now. Like I, I know what they're doing, like in terms of LA geography. Is why it always makes me upset whenever they go to like Santa Monica, clear across town. Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say that Angel was not terribly connected to the uh, Hispanic culture of the time. And when they said specifically that they like they were big in East LA, of course, I'm like, of course they were because you know that's where like the huge like Hispanic community is. You goddamn racist show. <laughs> like every time there's some sort of shrine thing, Angel just like walks over and starts grabbing stuff, and I'm like, "Come on, dude!" It was cr- well. So he walks into his apartment, and the, the number five, let's just call him Cinco. Cinco has like an entire shrine, like like what you said, you know, it's, it's Day of the Dead. It is like because I mean, not to put it in terribly offensive. They're fucking doing everything. I'm surprised that Demayo wasn't part of this episode. But like, not to be even did, worse. Did it go all drink Coronas or some shit? <laughs> God damn it! But like, it reminds me of the shrine from like Hey Arnold. It is like literally like <laughs> pictures of his brothers, and there's like all like their like oh, wrestling. Later in the episode, there's him. a fucking soft pretzel. Like when he's at the cemetery, there's a soft pretzel in the art. <laughs> the I the camera lingers on the pretzel. I don't. I didn't know. What is that about? My brother's like, is that a pretzel? I'm guessing it was like a concession from like when they would wrestle. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a goddamn minute! <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that he kept a soft pretzel from one of his ring matches? Yes. So that soft pretzel is like 50 years old. <laughs> or and it's I still soft. It's a champion pretzel. Oh my god. <laughs> God damn it. So, apparently he's got soft pretzels in the mix, and he's got, like, it has, like, all this memorabilia, all his brothers, and then, like, a bunch of just, like, like honestly, just iconography, which is just all Day of the Dead stuff, and just, I guess, maybe Christian stuff, or something? I don't even know. Yeah. Like, what was the other stuff there? It looked yes. like a Christian shrine. In case you guys weren't aware, um, Neurosico is Mexican. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I know, I just blew that <laughs> wide open, guys. Oh, thanks for that, Latoya. But, uh, so he, he's like, oh, um... That's interesting, and like all this stuff. And he's just, okay, so he's kind of giving him his whole life story. Like, yeah. sorry, he's I like, reacted this strongly. I knew you would want me to help fight the Aztec war. He's like, no, I just wanted to give you mail. <laughs> he's like, oh, and then um, so they were. I mean, they're going for like a superhero vibe, I guess, because the way that the brothers are all wrestling in the ring. Like when someone shows up to the wrestling match with a shotgun, love- which is weird. Yeah, much less okay, sexy yeah, there's like on than Wesley's. <laughs> Yeah, there's like yeah, a mafia no. situation happening, and is appar- that what it was? Yeah, and I'm guessing wrestling yeah. is real apparently here. And also, yeah, like I was saying about the stunt coordinator for wrestling, like they did the most rudimentary like wrestling moves possible. Those are some shitty drop kicks, guys. Oh, Dolph yeah. Ziggler should- would be disappointed. <laughs> yes. So he shows. There's a guy that shows up, and he's just in the crowd at a wrestling ring, and definitely like an indie wrestling ring. It's not like a huge ring, so it's like people could get hurt. It's not like it's a big place where there's a lot more people that could get out. He just has a, a shotgun, <laughs> points it at them. He just walked then, in like, with a shotgun. How, how do you hide a shotgun? He's in the like, front row too. He bought a front row ticket with his, and walked yeah, with his shotgun. He's, what was his he's plan? like three or four back. Okay. Well, what was his plan there though? Like well, exactly what happened? Know who he was shooting at. I know. I'm so confused. It but, looks like he was aiming at the brothers. Right? He definitely he shoots. He definitely shoots a brother, and then these all kind of die one by one, basically, right? 
And if you want to shoot the brothers... It's a flying Grayson situation happening. (laughs) If you want to shoot the brothers, there are far better ways to go about it. Not, like, going into a crowded wrestling ring and, like, spraying some shotgun shells across, like, a a semi-distant ring. Like, it was not a very great plan. It's like, dude, you could just, like, spike their steroids or something. I don't know. It just seemed bizarre. But so he pulls it up, but then the brothers... He, like, like, takes an hour to aim his shot, I guess, because the brothers have time to... Like, get in formation, and then just do, like, a... I don't know if there's a technical term for it, Latoya, where it's... it's I looked at it as, like, a cheerleading jump, but they kind of prop him up on, on her on their shoulders, and he goes spiraling out like a cannonball, and then hits the guy with the shotgun right in the face. Yeah, they, they did a weird, like, cheerleading situation just for him to do a cross... Oh, just to do a cross body, which is what the move that he was going for. He could have just jumped from the top turnbuckle, basically. There was no need for any of that. Well, it made it, again, it made the wrestling and it made the, like, the brothers thing kind of like a joke. Like, and not that cheerleading's a joke either, but it's just, it just felt very, like, well, well this isn't really what wrestling is like, even if they are going to be jumping into the crowd like that. Even, like, it was just like, bizarre. Just, like, Lucha Libre is very much about having, like, super, like, mythical characters. Like, on Lucha Underground, there's a character who's basically, he's an anthropomorphic dragon. There's another one who is literally death. There's another one who's, like, a phoenix. And it's still makes more sense and is t- taken as seriously like taken more seriously than this episode of television yeah and so well he knocks the guy with the shotgun out and he's gone that's kind of it and then he's just kind of like that's and that was what our life was like at that time they don't really explain anything else and like they show that scene but when it comes time to actually beating and defeating the uh demon that they've been all talking about so long they don't even really do it, do they? I don't think they show that or they well, if they did they do the like they, they they do more cheerleading Oh, they do? Okay. So they do some of that. But regardless, it just seems very repetitive. Like, you shouldn't have wasted all your good moves for a random wrestling match with a guy with a shotgun. I honestly feel like they should have hired, like, real wrestlers and put them in masks for this episode, too. Because it it looks ridiculous (laughs) otherwise. And guess what? If you're going to have people fight wrestlers, professional wrestlers, the best way to have them fight is either in a wrestling ring or using wrestling moves. What they were doing were not wrestling moves, and half the time they weren't in an actual, like, ring. So, why even bring that element into it when all you're gonna do is just, like, thumb your nose at it, you know? It because felt very... they're Mexican. <laughs> it's like, it. and there's plenty of local independent wrestlers in Los Angeles, obviously. Yeah. Like I said, I, 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 see, I see live wrestling, like, every other month here in LA, and it's, like, some of the best wrestlers in the world. So, it's like... They're they're there. They will be. They come like they they got real wrestlers in the, the wrestler and even in Nacho Libre. There were like real local uh, L.A. wrestlers in those movies. Yeah, and they just did, they make they really dropped the ball. I think to be honest. So so he gets he gets offered a job after they all die. We don't really. How did they die? Did they die it, against that beast? They just or? died against the demon. Yeah, and then how. Holland Manor is the one who actually gives him the card, which means Holland Manor is like. He lived forever for a long time, basically. Yeah, I guess so. And he offers him a job at Wolfram and Hart pushing the mail cart. Which is very weird bullshit because, like, why are you hiring a, a random, like, I don't, wrestling? Why, like, I, I hire hired an enforcer? I think they did hire him for an enforcer and he just kind of stayed on and ended up doing that. Yeah. Oh, so he, yeah, like, once he got old, too old, even though he's not really too old to keep enforcing, honestly, yeah. that he moved fine, to but, yeah. He threw Angel through a window, I mean. Yeah, easily, and Angel's huge at this point. Uh, so, <laughs> it's uh, the knee surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, they, they throw him right through, they throw him into the ring at one point, and 
well, not throw him in the ring. They show them all at the wrestling ring, <laughs> watching what has become of their memory. And like, it's weird, because, like, Angel's been reminiscing with him about their past, and then, like, the minute it comes time to actually, like, talk about the more specific mm-hmm. stuff, they take, like, a little mini field trip that they don't mm-hmm. really show you them doing. They just show up at a wrestling ring and yeah. then watch it together. So which involves which I, like, them getting in a car and mm-hmm. driving there. And I believe and, like, uh, that was at Lucha Vavoom, which is actually, like, a legit thing that happens in L.A. It's, like, a mix of Lucha Libre and burlesque and just, like, comedy. Nice. It's, like, really fun, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they show them, like, reminiscing, and then they're just like, yeah, um, well, this is how my memory is being honored. And we already kind of mentioned some of the stuff that goes on there where they have the little people wrestling, and they he kind of is just like, this is besmirching our name. It's not great, but like, and then, then Angel we, basically <laughs> like recites the "if nothing we do matters, all that matters is what we do" speech, pretty much at him, but it falls on deaf ears essentially. Well, he, of course, they start a very close zoom in on Angel. Anyone who's ever watched television, any, any <laughs> Joss Whedon or television at large, is knowing like, okay, they're this close in on Angel's face. The joke is going to be he's gone. They pull out. He's of course gone, uh, and he's. He, I mean, some part of him believing he was a hero, clearly this guy has given up on it. Where Angel is, like, clearly, like, obviously he's prophesizing to this guy, but he also is clearly talking to himself as well, because the Shanshu stuff has been brought up in this episode, and, like, all the stuff with Wolfram and Hart is really kind of, like, weighing him down, so he's starting to feel like, maybe I should quit too, like this guy did. Uh, and then, uh, meanwhile, though, Gunn realizes that all the victims were heroes. Of course, again, it's, it's left up to the one human to actually do the real work here, uh, and Gunn is like, okay, we're gonna f- track him down and then find him before they kill another hero. And, of course, cut to Angel alone, a hero, on the street. <laughs> And then a fight ensues so uh, where he was the plumber weird. the hero or the security guard. <laughs> Good like, point. What <laughs> security guard barely? <laughs> he did radio Wait, in really well. It's just Carlos. I guess you're right. <laughs> I wonder. Maybe one of them did other things before they did those jobs. Like maybe they're, they're maybe all Carlos was a vigilante. Yeah, who knows? But that's your good point. I didn't even think of that until just now. But oh. Or maybe he just kills also at random, and he just makes sure to take the hearts of specifically the people that are... Or maybe that plumbing know. really needed to get done. Yeah. And it's at the middle of the night, he was on emergency maintenance. He just yeah, had to get it. Like, you are a hero. Maybe, like, good his son you, at Carlos. school did a paper was like, my dad is my hero, and the demon heard it. It's like, well, oh, there we go. No! <laughs> now I'm picturing that kid reading it to the class, the demon's in the window. <laughs> oh, man, he's dead. Uh, so, so they, they go off to try and stop him, but already Angel's in the middle of a fight with him. Mm-hmm. And he goes for Angel's heart, but he stops. And now, why does he stop? Is it's because it, Angel's, yeah, because his heart is dead, which I thought, like, it was pretty obvious, but Angel's like, oh, he didn't want my heart, because he was being petty Angel, <laughs> which was <laughs> is adorable, but it's like, dude, your heart is useless. He's like, if you stake me, I'll die. See, that makes sense, because yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure why, but I thought at first it was because they didn't think he was a hero. And I was like, wait, what? Because Angel's literally saved the world a million times. No, I, I mean, that's the sort of argument that goes through, that and they Angel's... don't really resolve that. But yeah, it's like Angel believes he deserves to be considered a hero, and it could be because it's a vampire heart, in which case, why would he be attacked in the first place? Exactly. Or, as Wesley says, because his heart's not in his work, which is kind of a ridiculous way to do that metaphor. Which we're not, yeah. so we're not going to accept that. God damn it. <laughs> but they all, this is the point where we also get the awesome callback for El Robato Demonico, which mm-hmm. is what the, the five brothers at one point defeated, which is just a devil built robot. <laughs> which is, I don't know what that is, but Wait, why is like, that the Did you know the, the devil built robot? <laughs> Why is that the angel episode we're watching, not this? And then Wes is like, what do you know about the devil? 
It's so good. It's like, why is that not the episode we're watching? Right. Like, oh, God. Uh, it seems so much more interesting. But uh, Wes is talking about the Sianchu prophecy because of how Angel's feeling. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Angel's like, well, we don't really believe in any of those prophecies anymore, right? And he's like, oh, you don't? And he's like, well, no. Remember, like, the father on, will the kill father the son? And he's like, and Wes is like, oh, what? Maybe. And it's like, uh, never mind. <laughs> There's a lot of and Wesley going, what? In this and episode. It's, it's really hard to watch because poor Wesley doesn't remember the thing that basically almost, like, killed him. <laughs> like, it was not great. But, uh, like, then, that's why I was asking... Let's where hold up here. Since we're, from? <laughs> when we're when we're talking about if we want to talk about all of Angel, like that prophecy did come true, it, right? Yeah, Angel. But, Angel. I mean, I didn't recognize this the first time I saw it in the season four finale. Mm-hmm. There's like the slash noise that implies that Angel like cut Connor's throat. Mm-hmm. So the prophecy did come true because I thought that that was a really cool thing that the show had done, where it had a prophecy that wasn't true. And then someone in a comment was like, oh, no, it actually did come true. And I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bullshit prophecy anyway. Yeah, it was. And they just, they, it's like a self It still happened, one. though. But Wes has no memory of it, which is just really tough because he still has the throat scar from all that bullshit. So it's, he's just sort of like, oh. He still oh, got the that's... shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's when... true, too. And that great leather coat. <laughs> like, does, yeah. does, does he, what is his origin story for carrying the shotgun around everywhere now? Uh, who knows? Like, I guess maybe he's just really into shotguns. I don't know. I wish. But then he, he, I kind of wish that he had like named his shotgun, and I was like, I want, wanted mm-hmm. to like name it Lila, and then I wanted to like cry a million years over that. <laughs> well, I love, I love this scene too because he says to Angel about the Shanshu prophecy. He's like, "Well, you ca- you have to hold on some hope." And in my mind, I'm just like, "Hope daggles on a string, slow <laughs> spinning redemption." God damn it, you- like, it was like the most. Like cheesy, like a hand holding kind of moment. I love it, but it was just very melodramatic. Where it's like, hope is what matters, Angel. That's why we all care about like everything going okay and that stuff. Really, just you like, guys what? don't seem like you're all about that hope right now, honestly. <laughs> well, when it comes you're to re- this Shanshu prophecy, it's all hope. <laughs> you remember the uh, Boondocks episode from after the Obama election where Huey's like, hope's a bullshit emotion. <laughs> oh God. Well, that's that's Angel in this scene because Angel's just like eh, whatever, and he just like, walks out of the room, and, and poor Wes is sitting there like, firstly he just dropped a bombshell about his father will kill his son thing. But he's and, like, like never secondly, mind. He's like, uh, I, it's like Wes's whole life is like being torn apart. He doesn't know why because there's no memory of it all. He just remembers all that Jenga. And well, even when Fred comes in, Fred comes in with the information that the blood is more is now invulnerable. Uh, Spike of all people is the one to notice that I mean it's it is he says it's poetic which obviously if you know Spike yeah, exactly. he's a poet it, is, like it makes touch. sense and he says it's the Achilles heel because obviously if he's going after people's hearts he must be weak in his heart himself which is true but also it's like why is no one else in this show realizing that that's how you kill a Beastmaster too and it's like what like no one's realizing sometimes <laughs> it's like he was his own weakness face. come on yeah. people but uh so Gunn is trying to tell them all he we should take him out via contract, which is just insane. Shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? <laughs> also, like, is it going for the heart generally a good idea when you're trying to kill something in the first place? It's, I mean when you're a like, vampire, oh, shouldn't yeah. that be your first guess? Is when like, you've hey, been doing this for way. like five years at least. It's like you chop off the head or you kill him in the heart. Like it's not like they're they Or have set to him on fire, the just do it is. all. <laughs> oh, God, Get him in the spleen. 
<laughs> it's it's like how whenever Buffy's going into a big fight, she takes the crossbow when the crossbow has never ever worked once. Well, it always hits them right in the shoulder, so yeah. they know she's there, but it doesn't do any damage arterially. It's bizarre, but yeah, maybe one day the you know the shoulder will be the key to murdering someone. <laughs> Who knows? But so Gunn wants to sign a contract to get him out of. Apparently, he's returning every fifty years on the Day of the Dead to try and kill people and steal their hearts which is a great idea on his lawyer's behalf but on his behalf he's still coming back and killing people so Gunn's trying to get him out of the loophole of a contract and they're like Gunn calm down we're gonna go murder him like we normally what do. if the key to <laughs> killing uh, Big T had just been to make him eat that 50 year old pretzel <laughs> that would have been great. I would have been absolutely fine with this episode. A plus episode. I baked the talisman into the pretzel. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, we'll get to the, the talisman. Yes. Oh, man, it made me livid. Oh, me so, oh, Yeah. <laughs> so they realize that they need this amulet. They also, while the contract situations happen, they're also talking about this amulet, which is where he's getting his power from, that as long as that's around, he can keep coming back. So Angel's like, oh, Angel has a flashback to that shrine, and that was where it was, like, stuck to the, the shrine, like, whoops. And he goes bolting <laughs> out of the room, and again, Spike is just drama queen, and uh, he leaves, and then uh, once he's at the at the uh, apartment where everything is now gone, he somehow knows to go to the cemetery, I guess, because he realizes he's probably gone to see his brothers, because uh, number five's brothers are all dead, like we've been mentioning. Um, so he goes running off to get to the cemetery, and has a now a heart to heart with with Cinco once again about we're not heroes we don't have the heart of heroes and blah blah blah, and then this idiot sorry he tells Angel and then brags to the demon itself I swallowed the talisman so take it out of me if you need it it's like this guy has been stealing hearts all week he's not gonna have a problem like cutting into you I don't know okay. why you're bragging about it no, not no, he to... wants to die that's what, that, that's what <laughs> yeah. the point is not, I guess yeah but he, not to spoil too much of what happens in this episode as opposed to everything that happens in the series but the fact I, you would assume that the demon could like sense the talisman right you would yeah. I mean it would definitely track if it did so, otherwise why is it staying in LA it's bullshit that oh nope I faked eating the talisman no! The, the fucking demon should know where the talisman is and just be, like, tracking that at all times, basically. That should I be mean, the problem. And the shitty thing is, is that there, obviously, like, him having it in his stomach is, is a crazy enough thing, but then when you find out he was faking it, it's like, well, then why even fake it? Like, why not just g commit to it and have a terrible day the next day while he like, dies? But, yeah, you know. if you really <laughs> die, just fucking eat the talisman. Yeah, or, I mean, like, maybe try and save the world in the meantime. Like, there, there's a bunch of different ways you could have tried. He's to stop given up on being this. a champion, Mora. Oh, God. Fuck. He, he's, so, he got off the steroids. He's ready just to die. Well, he does get stabbed pretty much instantaneously, even though he does put up a little bit of a fight. Uh, but he then stumbles back to his brother's grave, which is yeah. huge. I don't know how Him someone living on Wolfram and Hart's salary in a tiny little apartment affords a massive tombstone like that. But, but whatever. So, <laughs> but yeah, he so gets I guess stabbed, but like life insurance. Well, in glory, basically. So now he is the hero they can believe in. So yeah. They... Although, really, that was a cowardly thing to do, to lie about swallowing mm -hmm. the talisman so that you could die. That's yeah. not a very brave well, or hero Well, he thing. changed his mind when Angel started fighting. That was his redemption moment. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, all, what we all care about is Numero Cinco's redemption moment. Yeah, well, that's why I tuned into Angel in season one. I was hoping for it. <laughs> so you had a they, feeling. You, you just yeah, you saw this real... episode. Like, I gotta see what happens to I get there. I stuck through it. I stuck through it. Not gonna lie. <laughs> 
So he stumbles backwards, touches his bloody hand to the, the brother's grave, and then of course you get the zombie Dawn of the Dead slash Day of the Dead uh, situation where their hands are all coming out of the, the ground. And I was like, okay, I guess they weren't buried in coffins. Like, well, they, no, they come because up it's, it's zombie strength plus steroids, so they just like smash through. <laughs> ah. But and they come up out of the ground you guys like have they're seen like Kill Bill, right? Oh, it's yeah. easy. Yeah, and they come up like they're like like uh you know synchronized swimmers coming up out of the water. Like they just kind of like put their hands up and then just like slowly raise out of the ground. It's not even like they're digging much, but uh, they come up and they all start their they do their little uh you know, La Lucha nonsense like the flying kick thing. They do the same thing, and the angel of course is now judging them from the side, going like. Like, we're not trying to... We're trying to kill it, not pin it, because they're trying to, you know, get them on the ground. And then, again, maybe it's because they're zombies slash whatever is why they have this super strength, because they're pulling off old, like, metal uh, cemetery folks. Yeah. Folks. Like, how is that a thing? I was like, that... This is where I was like, how strong are these people that they're able to rip... Literally, it looks That's like... That's where we really uh, question, like, were they humans or, like, what... Well, those guys are are definitely yeah, they're, they're zombies, dead people, so, so but... maybe that's part of the strength. But like they literally pull off, it is like a welded, heavy, heavy. I guess like a I don't even know what it is, but it's like a it's a, a steel, I guess, or iron mm-hmm. fence. Yeah, and they're all welded together, so ripping them off is just not a possibility. It's like a black cemetery fence with pokes mm-hmm. on the end. If you've ever seen that kind of thing, so like they're able to pull them apart from where they're welded to. So I'm like, these guys are like monster strong. So. I guess it's part of the, the, the coming back from the dead thing. But they use that, of course, to stab it into the heart. And then it dies. And then they're all together. And that's that's kind of the end of that situation. Yeah, and then they fade out. Then they, well, they, well, and also then they pin, they pin him so Angel can kill him. And honestly, they do all the work. So what's the point of even being Angel's show at this point? Yeah, really. Why aren't these guys now the main the main show? Oh, yeah, they poof off. away uh, instead of dragging him down to the grave, which makes no sense. Are you ghosts or zombies? Make up your mind. Yeah, so they so they they carry their now dying brother, who admits to the talisman being just in a cup somewhere or whatever. Which angel um, he, thinks he wants coffee. God damn it, angel! <laughs> it's the worst sometimes. But so they pick him up and they're all carrying him over on top of their grave, and they just fade away into into nothing. Like it it doesn't really make sense because we just watched them claw themselves out of a grave. So they're like <laughs> they're fucking in physical form. They're, they punched a dude. They're a demon dude. <laughs> I don't understand at all, but they just disappear. I guess it was too complicated to deal with the, the props department trying to re-earth everything, and it was just not worth it. So Angel blinks, and then it's like the grave has never been disturbed at all, I think, or maybe mm-hmm. not. It just looks like empty. They're gone. And he's just like, oh, well, all right. And then he gets the amulet, and he walks back to his the office at Wolfram and Hart, grabs that Shanshu Prophecy book, and then says one of the worst lame lines on the show, which is, Shanshu Prophecy, English translation. Aw, baby. Uh, it's just, it's like, it's like, well, he needed to get the English like translation now well, before. He needed to get the English translation, because the first time they had to translate it, fucking Wesley ruined everything. I, I agree, but I also, like, like, maybe just, like, don't have him say that no. aloud. How about book on tape? Sh- 
Yeah, it's just, it was like, I don't want to hear our hero say Shanju Prophecy English translation. It was like a Siri, like, he was like, Siri, find me the Shanju Prophecy English translation. It <laughs> Can was we talk so... about the font that it showed up in? It's like Time yeah. Through Roman, or like the most boring font they could possibly come up with. I mean, I'm, I'm not inspired by your Time's New Roman Prophecy. I wish it was in Comic Sans. It's <laughs> yeah. like that really, like, boost like, the episode to me. It would have also tracked for it to be like, uh, what do you call it? The papyrus or something <laughs> terrible papyrus. like that. Yeah. Like, God, this is just, they didn't even care at this point. I mean, they do obviously care. But, but it's, in this it, episode, that's no, like, no this one episode cared. was just over. And they, him saying that out loud, like, they don't need to have him say it. They could just have him open the book and then unambiguously zoom at in this on the point, word like, Sanshu Prophecy, you know? Don't they still, like, have their own copy of it at this point, too? I thought so, but, I mean, he's now trying to, you know use Wolfman Hart's benefits to his disposal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I guess that's part of it, but who knows. It just seems very unnecessary and over the top for me, but they do it and he, he <laughs> opens it up and that's kind of the wrap up of the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Is it, we don't even see yeah, how the whole the- thing is like, he tells he's still in his blah state, but he says, hey, we saved the day at least, that's all that matters. But he says, yeah, I still don't care about prophecies, and then he goes, sees the English translation anyway. Yeah, he gives the, the the team the amulet, and they're just like, oh, did number five jump in and help? He's like, yep, he died a hero. She's <laughs> like, oh, Angel, shut up. But he just wanted everybody to know everything ended well. Okay, so Angel, Angel is the dude who doesn't care about foreign movies until they get remade into English. So he didn't care <laughs> about the prophecy, and then he was like, oh, there's an English version. Now Let me that's read my that. Joy. Yeah. yeah, but I it, it felt very tacked on. I mean, obviously the the prophecy thing came out with Spike earlier, but the whole angel suddenly now being interested felt like it maybe should have waited an episode for him to really let it sink in. But mm. he basically rushes home from that whole situation and then just like he's gonna like guess like tuck in at night and read it as he goes <laughs> to bed. Like it's like a nighttime story. Like I'll be human again, right? <laughs> it's like yeah, I guess. But the, again, it's not even really... It's very ambiguous, because it's an angel ending. And, and even on the, the, the most unambiguously standalone episodes, there's always some kind of a weird cliffhanger-y mm-hmm. se- like, little sentiment. And this is just him reading that in, in the room alone. Everybody else, like, up, I guess, going back to work. And he's just kind of like, now he's... This is well, no, where... I, I guess that was uh, everyone would call it a night, because he, t- he technically lives in Wolfram and Hart at this point. Oh, right, Yeah, because right. his penthouse is, like, right above his yeah, office. Yeah, on the top, yeah. you're right. Yeah, so he's kind of staying there. But, like, I think this is also the point in the this, this season where his really, his, like we've been saying, his disinterest in working there is starting to really come out, and he's really changing his mind about his whole decision to stay. And and that's that's kind of it. Um, do you guys have any other, like, we went over a lot, obviously. We went over, I feel like we went over everything, really. Yeah, can, I mean, Can we it's, talk it's, about how the Shantry Prophecy is kind of boring? It is very boring. Which you want to give a rundown of? I forget exactly the specifics. It's just, just like you'll become human. It's yeah, very basically. vague. Like even more vague than usual. Like prophecies, honestly. A vampire with a soul has some. They play a pivotal play in yeah. apocalypse, yeah. and then they might become a real human again. Yeah. And it was like this is what season one ended on. Mm-hmm. Was like Angel fighting to find the prophecy, and then discovers it, and mm-hmm. it's like his motivation at the start of season two, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, if we go help all these people, Angel will become a real person again, and he mm-hmm. can pork Buffy all he wants. And <laughs> they never actually say Buffy, but yeah, <laughs> they do say pork. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so, so he's thrilled. Bro. Yeah, and it's it's just sort of like this narrative dead end where it it never like on its own has 
any particular push to it. So, like, the whole season two premiere, the whole point of it is, we're taking this too seriously, we need to Mm -hmm. actually, like, do things that we care about. And then it's just kind of in the background, then Spike shows up, he's a vampire with a soul, so that complicates things. But then I think Angel as a series realizes that fighting over who gets the Shantu prophecy is not as interesting as them fighting because of their, you know, philosophical differences. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's a great thing that one of the final acts of the of Angel in the in the two part finale is that he just signs away the Shantu prophecies like, fuck this, mm-hmm. I'm I'm out. And I'm like, yeah. great. Like this this was Because he had already decided anyway that for he me. was fighting for And like, it's always kinda it's always kinda to hard people. to cheer yeah, and it's always kind of hard to cheer that on because Angel, at his core, is a vampire fighting crime with a soul. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been cursed, but mm-hmm. like it's it's like you're cheering for the show to end. It's like you're cheering for your main character to lose, to, to not be, to retire. Is, yeah. Because when he becomes a human, sure, maybe he's a great human. Maybe he also like you know funds a another you know children uh, orphans of vampire attacks. Who knows? Maybe he'll start <laughs> like helping that shit out. I don't know. But, like, at the end of the day, there are a lot more people that will be killed for him not being who he is than people who will be saved by him being a human now. Yeah. Only the person, the only person that benefits from that is if Buffy's still interested or Cordelia never died. Because those are the two people that, that care about Angel <laughs> being able to bang them, pretty much. Because everybody else is just, like, Angel is a human, Angel is an angel. They don't care. He's just does a anyone, great guy. Does anyone else feel bad for poor Nina that she could never make him lose his soul? Oh, not even a little bit. It's always sad. It's like, but that know, poor girl I, who actually got to sleep with him and never turned him evil. I mean, well, Darla too, but that was Eve. different. And Eve, but it's it, it's oh, awkward. Because we don't talk about Eve. We don't talk about Eve. All right, sorry. Um, so, so it is. It's hard to cheer on, like you know, the whole it's, plot of the show basically becoming moot because that's what that is. It's sort of like the uh prophecy version of the the um the underwritten wife character who yells at the main character not to do the thing that makes the show <laughs> it's, right. it's like winona from justified or or skylar from early breaking bad where mm-hmm. it's just like the only point of this character is to make the show uninteresting and that's not really a good way to write things no and the best part is when that gets signed away or they become actually interesting themselves and doing other things besides just being because, mean to the main character. Yeah, after the season two premiere, he's like not even really thinking about it. Sometimes they'll t- they'll mention it just to like fill other people in on it, but that's never like his motivating situation, basically. And it's not a thing until you know Spike the season again. Yeah, yeah, and because Spike, it's all new. Spike has never even concerned himself because he's never had a soul. I don't think he even really knew about the prophecy until he came to L.A., which is interesting because then it becomes a lot more about, like, the metaphorical of, like, well, did you think it matters if his soul was cursed or did he get it on his own? You know, that kind of stuff becomes a much more bigger conversation than what has been going... In the, in the previous thing, it was it was never a question. It was just Angel. It's more like whether or not it would happen. Then it became who would it happen to? And that's a totally different conversation. But, uh, but it, it, I like I like that they signed it away, too, because it... But it also doesn't really do much to say about this whole episode ending on such a huge... Oh my God, he's re- he's re- he's interesting in researching it again. He's obviously maybe considering retiring or something, but then you find out later on it's like nah. He's like so we we ended a whole episode on this. Turns out it doesn't really even matter when the end, and he signs it away, not caring. But you know, I mean, every season needs some weird filler episodes, and this is just one we picked. And I I mean I don't know what more to say about it. It's kind of 
I mean, Ugh. just about every Joss Whedon series has the first six episodes of any given season being the weakest. Like, there are a couple yeah. exceptions. Oddly, Buffy season six and seven are, like, at their best at that point, but pretty much mm-hmm. every other Buffyverse season is, like, these episodes are... Wrapping you know, up the something produ- good. Yeah, the production right. team is getting back together. They have to figure out, like, how to make all this stuff work within their budget and put all those things together, and um, then in the next episode, they do, and... That's great, but that is not this episode. No, not at all. It's even though it's episode six, it's still they're definitely getting their footing. I mean, they do they're close to it after this, but yeah. this is still in the midst of it being very much like, oh, let's just like waste some time until we get to the main plot, and that's this episode and that really is just a waste of time. And this episode <laughs> apparently was like a passion project of Jeffrey Bell's, which makes me even like more upset, honestly. But about how terrible it is. Oh, poor guy. They did a bad job. Well, alright, so you guys have any other notes we didn't go over? Because we can get the plugs otherwise. I think I'm good. I feel like I talked it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was there something you wanted to fight about, Latoya? I feel like, I think we did well. You think we did well? Yeah, I think you guys gave just differing opinions. Yeah, we didn't actually even fight. It was Yay! Okay. <laughs> Emotional progress, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we can get the plugs now. So what's up with you, Latoya? Uh, you can, of course, find me on the Twitter at LaFergs, and, you know, you can find my writing at AV Club, and just all around the world. <laughs> exactly. Alright, and what's up with you, Rowan? I am on Twitter at Rowan Kaiser. I have a Patreon that you can find on that, and you will find me on the AV Club again eventually when I get back to that, and I do video game writing, and I have a big old piece on Avengers Comics coming up in the next week or so. Awesome. Well, stay tuned. Uh, and then, as always, I am at Mara E on Twitter. Uh, next week's Hangout Mr. Cooper will be Serena. We're almost wrapping <laughs> up all of 2015, guys. Uh, and then the next episode of this show will be Silk Stalking, Season 3, Episode 2, The Perfect Alibi. Um, in the meantime, you can rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes. That's awesome. It helps us find new people. And until then, thanks for wandering into the Televoid, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey.